It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, September 30th after the LA Galaxy's 4-3 loss to the Vancouver Whitecaps. A little uh, interesting loss there uh, to make sure that gets everybody a little nervous as the Galaxy get ready to head into the postseason for the first time since 2016. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. We're going to talk about that game. Also, a bunch of LA Galaxy news, some uh, Zlatan rumors a little Christian Pavone talk, and of course, looking at the standings, where the LA Galaxy are, where they can finish, where they can't finish, uh, and what happens as we lead you up to this game, the final regular season game of 2019 against the Houston Dynamo in Houston, coming up next Sunday. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to get you through all of that very quickly, but to help me do all of that is uh, one of my very favorite people back from his small vacation there. Uh, it's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kev? Not really a vacation. It was a wedding. Kind of, <laughs> well, I guess it's kind of a working vacation. But you know what? I am in a celebratory mood. Yes. <laughs> oh my. I'm here to celebrate your 700th show with you. I'm so happy to be part of this this milestone for you. 700 shows. Did you ever think you'd make it here? I, I was going to say that it, it, you're really taking it hard that you got 699, aren't you? I mean, you, you were so close. It was one well, show I'm away. I'm counting this as 700 because <laughs> clearly you did not have any good guests on your real 700th show. Yeah. Guests like me. So I figured that I would just, you know, just grab this one and call it 700 just to make it good. That's that's fine. That Whatever makes you happy. I just want to make sure that you're okay and that, that you're, you're satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, wonderful. I was going to say, like, we didn't have enough shenanigans on the actual 700 show. My 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 office at the end of that show was covered in about an inch of confetti everywhere. Uh, and the best part was that uh, that Eric, the, the Portuguese hammer there, Kevin, started to actually try to pick it up um, and started to actually try to clean up a little bit. And it was hysterical because I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to help you clean up. I'm like, yeah, that's going to take like a shop vac in about 20 minutes. So don't 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 bother. Just just let it go. It was, was it the same kind of confetti that they shoot off at Galaxy Games it, when they win? It was. It was It was basically the same kind of confetti. It was the same little strips that, that get in. As a matter of fact, he actually launched the confetti into one of my, my air conditioning vent, uh, which means that every once in a while when the air conditioning comes on, another piece still falls because it's not quite all out of there yet. And that is something you do not have to worry about at your new home. <laughs> That's right, because I don't have air conditioning. Exactly. Well, the only homeowner in Southern California. You bought a home. It, it's not like you moved here back in the and came in a Calistoga wag, Calistoga wagon, and and there was no air conditioning. You actually bought a modern home in Southern California without air conditioning. Well, like modern in you know 1980s tech. Whenever we're thinking about that, I mean, you know, the the panda though came through in the clutch. He provided the air conditioning. If you take that fan that you provided to the Guessman household, uh, I'll tell you, it blows in some nice cool air out from outside. So, uh, you know, big props. Uh, Mrs. Pato uh, is is very thankful for the panda today. Yes, I felt I felt sorry for the lovely, talented Michaela having to, to go through the final months of her pregnancy um, without air conditioning. Without air conditioning. Yeah, she was, a, she was a willing participant in that. Just remember that. So, uh, anyway, so, all right, let's get to the LA Galaxy now. Uh, LA Galaxy lose 4-3 to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, okay, so I, I got a ton of 
crap on Twitter, which is always fun, uh, for people saying, remember whenever Josh said this was a must, this was a, this was a game the Galaxy wouldn't lose? And I'm like, listen, uh, if we've known anything about the LA Galaxy so far this season, uh, we know that they are capable of losing any game they play, but they're also capable of beating any team they play. So uh, really sort of a coin flip when you think about it. Well, but you said that the really the the goals were at Lamson's fault. I mean, no. you need to explain why David Bingham wasn't playing. But you said the goals weren't really his fault. Yet I, I do think you have to worry a little bit. The four goals are the most they've given up in a game this season, and they've done that uh, now. Well, July twenty seventh was the last time before Sunday. But uh, you know, if the defense is allowing four goals, that's kind of not the way you want to go into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, this was a game, and, and uh, real quick, there were two changes to the starting lineups that we've seen in in the previous renditions outside of the the suspension for Felcher. Uh, he was back in; that wasn't an issue. Uh, but it was uh, Fabio, uh, not Fabio, Efrain Alvarez uh, starting in place of Joe Corona. Joe Corona actually going to the bench in this one, and then Matt Lampson, goalkeeper, um, took over for an injured David Bingham. So Bingham suffered a quad injury uh, it is it is as classified by Guillermo Barrescoletto not serious and actually they expect him back for Houston um, but this was an injury he picked up against Real Salt Lake uh, in that victory over RSL the two to one win there and it was one that basically they decided yeah he could probably play on it but why play him when you can rest him and and make sure that it heals properly and, and give him a little bit of a break there so um, I didn't see anything some people ha- you know I tend to believe that anytime there's four goals scored, that everybody one immediately blames the defense, which is you know it's not horrible. It's an, it's it's certainly there. So you can say okay, the defense allowed four goals, and then uh, you know who's the captain of the defense? Well, it's the goalkeeper, Kevin. It's Matt Lampson. So clearly it must be his fault. Um, I don't know how you expect him though uh, to stop a uh, one on or a two v one chance there at in the 93rd, 94th minute of the game that ended up being the eventual winner after the LA Galaxy totally overcommitted forward. Uh, trying to actually get the win. Um, so in my mind, yeah, the defense didn't play great, but the midfield didn't play great. And because the midfield didn't get play great, that translated certainly back to the defense. Um, I didn't think Polenta had a great night. I didn't think Steris got, Steris got caught a couple times, and Felcher was not uh, real great either. Even uh, Dave Romney, the Dave Romney fan club uh, that you're president of, Kevin. Uh, I am. Even Dave Romney w- w- probably wasn't his best game. Um, this was a letdown by the entire team. There were 11 players on that field, and I can't say that there were too many stand standouts uh, on on the night. Well, yeah, Zalatan said defense starts, uh, it's, an, it's a full team uh, effort, and, and it starts with the strikers and goes back to the defense. So Zalatan, you know, blamed it at a team failure, uh, didn't blame it on the back four or the goalkeeper. And uh, Jonathan Dos Santos had an interesting quote where he said that, you know, Vancouver should not score four goals against us even in a video game. So, <laughs> and, and he did mention too, he said, there are, we are making mistakes we should not be making in the 33rd game of the year. And this is stuff that we need to get tightened up before the playoffs. We can't just assume that, hey, we're in the playoffs, we can relax. He said, this is the kind of momentum you're going to carry forward. And what kind of momentum do you want to carry forward? Giving up four goals or, or playing tight and playing uh, fundamentally well as they had been in the three game winning streak? I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, and and you can agree or disagree, Kevin. And the same with all our listeners, you can agree or disagree. 
Uh, I will tell you, and and I said in my my corner of the galaxy recap of this game, uh, this was a, you know the quintessential LA Galaxy loss. This LA Galaxy team, Kevin, is perfectly capable of losing a game like this every time they step on the field. It is it is inherent within the makeup of this team with how they play, with what their mindset is, that they can easily get into one of these little shootout games where they they end up losing four to three and don't hold it. It's just it's in their makeup. Now, having said that. Um, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll take your take your comments off the air. Uh, having said that, um, I, I will tell you that the Galaxy are also capable of winning a game seven to two, um, and they're capable of scoring seven goals, and they're capable of of running teams off of the pitch if they really feel like it. So the same team that is capable of scoring seven is also capable of giving up four in a game, and that's who this LA Galaxy team is in 2019. They are all offense. They are all go. Guillermo Barrescalotto is is that coach. That's what he wants, apparently. Um, and so when the Galaxy tie the game, you know, in the 86th minute by Chris Pontius, and by the way, uh, I really think the Galaxy need more of Chris Pontius. Um, in, in my mind, he's a he's a ridiculously underrated player on this team, and uh, I think he should be getting more minutes here in the playoffs than than somebody maybe like Oriel uh, Antuna who who has scored four goals in the last five games. Um, but Chris Pontius is, is a real asset for the Galaxy. I think they need to use him more. But he gets that tying goal in the in the 86th minute. That should have been that should have been the game. And I think any reasonable. Um, you know, MLS coach within their right mind probably says, okay, let's pull it back a little bit. Even though the Galaxy had gone to three in the back and had pressed numbers forward, uh, they were certainly lined up more to take the attack there. Uh, but to give up, you know, a goal in the 93rd minute, you know, in the third of four minutes of stoppage time, uh, in the way that they did pressing to try to get the win, to try to get three points, um, it's going to bite you sometimes. And, and I think the LA Galaxy have lived that way, Kevin. They've lived by being that offensive uh, sort of pressure that that keep trying to score, keep the keep the pedal down, keep trying to to push this. They've done that pretty much the whole year, and I think that it has both benefited them and hurt them uh, throughout this an, entire year. Well, I, you know, kudos to to Skeleto for pushing forward to get the win. You know, the Galaxy have the fewest draws in in MLS; they only have three, and, and that. I think that says a lot about the philosophy that that he's brought in. They are going to go and try to win the game up until the final whistle. They're not going to be content with a draw. Um, that's good in, in a lot of ways, and especially as you're getting close to the playoffs, trying to get that killer instinct. It's also bad because we don't know what that lost point is going to do as far as their playoff seeding goes. Right now, they do look pretty comfortable, and, and fate is in their own hands. If they win, they're going to have a home playoff game. But, um, you know, that point could be really valuable. We'll see what happens next week. But it could cost them perhaps maybe not a home field game in the first round, but maybe deeper in the playoffs, the conference finals or even semifinals. If they had that extra point, it might make a difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, all this, you know, somebody said, oh, how many points have the Galaxy lost this year, you know, playing this this type of attacking um, uh, attacking soccer? And it's like, listen, yeah, you can you can go count that if you want. Um, but you also have to count the fact that that attacking sort of mentality that they've had, that over-reliance on going forward and not necessarily defending back, is also the reason that they have all those wins. Um, so, you know, if you look at the, how many wins the Galaxy have and how many losses the Galaxy have, if I just gave you the Galaxy's, you know, number of losses, you would sit there and go, okay, well, that team is probably much further down the standings than they should be because everybody has some draws in there and everything else. So if I told you the Galaxy had 14 losses, you go and look at the, you know, the top four teams in the Western Conference and nobody has more than 10 losses. Um, you know, you go down underneath the LA Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, Portland Timbers both have 13 um, 13 losses. 
not 14 like the LA Galaxy, but the LA Galaxy have 14 losses and more wins. So the wins wins really do offset a lot of sort of the uh, the negative results of, of always trying to go for the win. Getting that win is three points. You know, losing it means zero points, but a draw is only worth one point. You're only getting a third of the points of a win. So the more that you have, uh, you know, the more wins that you have really does go to benefit you, but at, up to a certain point. I mean, even I can't argue that it's always great to go uh, 100%, you know, at this. Like I said, I think they should have got a draw out of this. I think they should have pulled back whenever Pontius scores that and just ride out those last, you know, eight minutes. It's interesting what you say because the Galaxy with their 16, win, uh, 16 wins, they're tied for fourth and uh, actually tied for third in MLS in victories. But they have the most losses of any team that will be in the playoffs at 14. So, yep. it, it, yeah, it's been a feast or famine, I guess. And and I think that does go back to the way they play. It, it does. And, again, I don't – you know, people are saying, oh, well, it's a tactics issue. And it's – you know, there's two, there's two or three sort of schools of thought that I've seen out there. Um, one is that it's a tactics issues that GBS is getting the tactics wrong. Two is that GBS is trying to play the tactics that, you know, and he doesn't necessarily have the players for those tactics. You know, the outside backs that he expects to go forward and get into the attack and then also come back. Uh, I saw one person call the defenders lazy, and I think that's the last thing that any of the defenders, and that goes for, you know, Jorgen Shelvick or, or anybody else uh, on that back line, People Gonzalez. I don't think the LA Galaxy defenders are lazy at all. I just think that, that Guillermo expects them to get up and expects them to get back. And, you know, even Guillermo is in his post-game press conference sort of talking about how, you know, we need to understand in those moments pressing for the win. That's what we want to do. We want to press for the win, but that we can't give up the ball and we can't turn over and we can't commit ourselves to something that we can't recover from. So I, I think Guillermo, you know, in the system that he's put in is a, you know, if you're going to put him on one end of the spectrum, he's an offensive guy. He wants to go offense. He wants to go forward. He wants to score goals. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but in his mind, he also knows that you can't always press so far forward that you give up these counterattacking goals, but that's what the Galaxy do. So maybe it's a system issue that works itself out in year two, one with per with personnel and two with a greater understanding. Um, but whenever you look at all these different things of, of who to blame for these, like I said, the Galaxy have this inherent within them, Kevin. This is this is part of their soul right now, is to give up counterattacking goals and to get into games like this where they lose. And that means going into the playoffs, understand that the Galaxy can beat any team in Major League Soccer seven goals to two. Um, that's absolutely something that can happen, but they can also lose in these shootout games, you know, four to three with, with almost as much ease as they could win, you know, with a 7-2 game. A couple of things. Um, remember, until that 7-2 game, they had a negative goal differential, and it, it, it's still tight. It would still be a negative goal differential if it wasn't for that big 7-2 win. Um, so the defense hasn't been the shining part of this team, but you could also look at the goal differential and saying a team led by Zlatan and Pavone and Ariel uh, Antuna and, and Fabio Alvarez, they should score more goals than they have. So right. maybe a little bit of the fault goes there. But I, I talked to, to – uh, if you remember the last two seasons, the Galaxy gave up bushels and bushels of goals. It was really bad. And I talked to Guillermo and, and Steris and Romney in, in preseason and said, how are you going to address that? And, and Steris and Romney both said – they felt really good about how things were starting uh, at the season, that they felt like there was a plan. There was a philosophy of how the back four would play and what their responsibilities uh, would be. Now, I don't know if, they, if they've if they actually been able to, as you said, put that into practice on the field or if they're still learning it. it in talking to both of them, it seemed to be a very complicated uh, kind of game plan that Guillermo wanted the back four to play. Clearly, their philosophy is – 
you know, much like Barcelona and Manchester City and uh, other teams that p- play this kind of possession-oriented game, the, they don't really play defense. What they do is they just possess the ball, and if the opposing team doesn't have it, it can't score. The way they play defense is when you lose the ball, you win it back, and, and that's sort of the, the, the defensive philosophy. But in addition to trying to learn this new, very complicated style, as you said, they added people during the season. They added Polenta. They added Giancarlo Gonzalez, people that were re- have been really valuable and played a lot of minutes. And so you're trying to learn your teammates. You're trying to learn this new style, and you're trying to do it by playing two games a week. It can be tough. They're in the playoffs. That was the goal. That was what Guillermo set as the goal from the start of uh, camp. So they've achieved that, and we'll see where they go with that. But I would definitely expect that if they keep the majority of this team uh, defense together, and I don't think Shelvick will be back, and I'm not sure about Felcher, um, but if they keep the majority of these guys together, I expect them to be much better next year because they'll have knowledge of each other, and, and they'll have a little bit – you know, the offseason will be important to them. I think they're going to sit down and and think a little bit and, and, and analyze – the way they played and what they learned about this defense, things that they can't do right now because, as we said, they get two games a week. You're right whenever you say, you know, the the system that they're trying to do is is probably more complicated than um, than just simply, you know, some basics. I'll give you the basics of what it is, and I've talked with some of the defenders and, and just trying to understand in my head my own tactics and sort of where they're trying to come to. Um, and so, you know, you look at this, and, and the big thing that they, they like, obviously, is getting the wingers up and outside. Uh, that goes the same with, the, with those central defenders as well, is to, you know, spread that ball out on the attack and make sure that the two central defenders, you know, sort of straddle each side of the 18 in order to distribute the ball well, get those outside backs up the field and sort of tucking in behind those midfielders and then being able to overlap with the midfielders, overlap with the forwards, and get up into that offensive zone. And what's supposed to happen is they're supposed to be you know, a little bit of a give on the other side, which shifts some things. What actually happens with the Galaxy is Jonathan Dos Santos a lot of times ends up dropping back, or one of the central midfielders ends up dropping back into the very center uh, of, like, the center circle there, and now you have three defenders back there. You have two central defenders, and you have Jonathan Dos Santos, or or one of the other midfielders, whether it's Sebastian Legette or Joe Corona sort of falling back into those into those areas, and that's the idea. The other big thing, and you watch this happen, is that the Galaxy hold the 18 very strongly, and what I mean by that is watch them retreat whenever they're being attacked. They're going to retreat up to a certain point until they get to about that 18-yard box. And at that 18-yard box, they stop retreating, or they're supposed to stop retreating. When you're in a proper position, that's sort of the good place. You're able to shield and sort of try to guide that attacking player either left or right or into coverage, however it goes. But once you get to the 18, now it becomes one-on-one defending. And that's where the Galaxy and Guillermo really want the, the Galaxy defenders to be strong is to hold that 18-yard box. Because even if you make a challenge at the 18, 18 there, a lot of times you have backup coverage that if you miss that, you're still able to have somebody back there who can still cover for you. And, and a lot of times there's still enough room there that you can stop, you know, a dangerous uh, sort of attack from starting, even if you do get beat by one guy. And then it's all about sort of that funnel of recovering. So you get beat, now recover, follow the next guy. Uh, because a lot of times those central defenders float from inside to outside to cover a run that moves in that direction. So all of these things are, are you know, those are general basics that you can see from the galaxy and just with talking with different people and understanding but holding that 18 is very important and watch how the galaxy try to hold that 18 
all the time. Um, that's, and, that's my and, and I think that's probably where one of the biggest flaws have been because these guys don't know each other. I mean, you'll see Steris will be turned the, the wrong way and, and Giancarlo Gonzalez will step up and, and, and not, not sure that, that Steris has already moved out of the way. I mean, the, just that knowledge of where the other player is going, it's very hard to learn that. And if you go back to the great Galaxy teams under Bruce Arena at the beginning of the decade, remember you had A.J. De La Garza and Omar Gonzalez in the middle of that defense. Those guys played three years together at Maryland. They played a number of years together with the Galaxy. They they were roommates in college for a short period of time. They knew each other really well um, on and off the pitch. And that sort of uh, uh, ability to sense where the other player is going is really key. And, and clearly some of the Galaxy defenders just don't have that yet. They may never get it, but they're certainly not going to get it in the first five or six months together. So again, I would go back to say that is the way they want to play. And I would expect that to be a lot better after they've had one year together under their belts and, and get to know each other a little bit better. Hey, the big deal now, of course, is that they don't have that year yet um, and they have to head to the playoffs. So that's going to be, again, I don't think this was, this wasn't new cracks opening up in the LA Galaxy, which is what it, it feels like whenever you talk to people. Everybody's telling me, oh, my, this is the worst thing that could happen. Um, listen, the Galaxy lost to Colorado at home, all right, in the same sort of similar fashion in terms of a team that was able to take advantage on counterattacks and score. And, and that's really the Galaxy's Achilles heel, but that's a known issue. That hasn't been something, this is not something new. Uh, Vancouver did did basically the same as Colorado, just in a more high-scoring way, and they were clinical on their finishing. That's good. You know, each team finished with seven shots on goal. Van, uh, Vancouver got their first shot in 37 seconds into the match. Um, so, you know, it was, it was on the back foot you know, sort of from the very beginning, but I'll say this, the Galaxy had more possession. Um, really, when you look at chances, that all seemed to be uh, in the Galaxy's favor as well, um, but the chances that Vancouver had, Vancouver finished, and, and that's what you expect. I, I see the big sort of criticism of Guillermo Varish-Cloto in this is changing up Joe Corona, and just said, you know, that was the, the big issue, and that was one of the questions I actually asked uh, Guillermo after the game, because it was something I saw consistently. Why would you change that central midfield that was working so well? And Guillermo told us, he said, basically talking with Joe, talking with the trainers and everybody, they said that Joe was tired and he needed he needed to rest from some minutes. And they said, and Guillermo even said, used the word risk, as in it might have been a risk to put him on the field had they done it because he was so tired, they didn't want to injure him, and this was the best way. And he felt confident in Efrain Alvarez, uh, you know, to provide some of that offensive, uh, you know, uh, uh, power that uh, Sebastian Lejet has been uh, been doing in that position as well. So, uh, listen, Efrain Alvarez should have had a goal in this game. Um, you know, Maxime Crepeau uh, made an unbelievable save uh, to stop Efrain Alvarez. I mean, you know, Christian Pavone should have had a couple goals in this game, which also then, Kevin, leads me to another criticism of this match. And it's the same criticism I hear from Galaxy fans every time the Galaxy lose a game, which is they rely on Zlatan too much. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I go, I get this. I get people saying it. I understand why you say it because you see the ball going to Zlatan. You see 38 crosses going in and you're seeing 24% of those being connected. And you say, well, that's not an effective game plan. However, I'm going to counter that with something that I think is very important in this. One, Chris Pontius scored a goal. Two, Uriel Antuna scored a goal. You had Christian Pavone score a goal in RSL. They're getting people involved. And I think, Kevin, you made that point either before we started talking or, you know, even on the show whenever, whenever we have started. But they are getting people 
to score goals. This is not all Zlatan all of a sudden. And since Christian Pavone has come on, you've seen more players be open for goals. Uh, Pavone should have scored a couple goals in this game. Uh, like I said, <clears throat> Efrain Alvarez did. If I told you, so 38 crosses, Kevin. 38 crosses, probably most of those to Zlatan, but not all of them. I can remember a good handful that probably weren't to Zlatan at all. He wasn't involved in the play. Um, but 38 crosses, so that basically means that they almost completed 10. 10 of those crosses inside, right? See, if you say uh, 38 and 24%, it's almost 10. Um, so let's say they got nine crosses in there that were, that were dangerous enough, and you know Zlatan uh, ended up getting a goal on a cross, by the way, from uh, from Pavone, which ended up uh, tying the game at one point. So that was that was a positive there. But but the other thing I have to say is the guy who created the most chances in this game. If I gave you one guess of who created the most chances in this game, who would you guess, Kevin? I would guess Pavone. Okay, you would, right? Zlatan Ibrahimovic had five chance creations on the night. All right, so he was creating as much as he was also a scoring threat in this game. That's why it's important to play through him. That's why Christian Pavone looked to him to put balls in. That's why Christian Pavone took his own shots because... Vancouver was shielding away. They had two and three guys. Chris Pontius said it afterwards in a wonderful article by Mr. Larry Morgan, not on Twitter. Larry goes out and he talks to Chris Pontius, and Chris Pontius says, listen, I watched that game. I saw. I knew that they were triple and double teaming Zlatan Ibrahimovic, right? So having said that, I knew that if Zlatan got a header, he was going to be able to put me through. And what happens? The ball comes forward from Polenta. It goes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Ibrahimovic heads it to Chris Pontius, and Chris Pontius puts it in the back of the net. So while you complain that the Galaxy don't have any ideas, there were plenty of ideas on this night. Uh, you saw shots and passes from all over the place. You saw Aurelio Antuna with a wonderful full volley uh, finish over Crepeau in this game that was everything that you ever wanted and was a great pass from Jonathan Dos Santos as well. You saw Jonathan Dos Santos take 116 touches in this game. You saw Jonathan Dos Santos make 103 passes in this game, far outstriping anybody else. Um, so you saw a ton of variability from the LA Galaxy. You don't just get to complain about them going through Zlatan when they lose. Uh, when they win, it's the same thing. Um, so that's that's my little tiny rant there. I don't know. Well, you know, Pavone's creativity uh, combined with Uriel Antuna's uh, speed and now his confidence after coming back from the Mexican national team. Pavone has played 10 games. He has two goals and eight assists. So he's contributed to a goal a game since he's come back. Uh, since he's come over, Irene Antuna also has contributed 10 goals. He's got six goals and, and four assists. Um, I, I think that's changed the way the Galaxy, maybe not play necessarily, but certainly the way that that, that they, they've just become more dynamic on the attack. They aren't as one-dimensional. Yes, the, the play still goes through uh, Zlatan, but the way the ball gets there, I think, is is different. But the big thing is, okay, so what does this mean? It means the Galaxy going to the final game of the season, Sunday and Decision Day in Houston, in control of their own destiny. If they win, they can finish second. Right. Even if Minnesota and Seattle, uh, if Minnesota and Seattle draw, Galaxy would still be second because they have uh, the tiebreakers. If they win, if they lose, we all saw Lake could pass them. The Galaxy could st have to start the playoffs on the road. Uh, why is that important? Well, the Galaxy have 11 home wins. That's sec tied for second best in the league. On the road, they're 5-9-2. and two. That's fourth worst among the playoff qualifiers right now. And the Houston game is not a gimme. Yeah, Houston's down at the bottom of the standings, but they have 33 points at home this season. The Galaxy have 34, and we just said they have the second most uh, or fourth most wins um, 
uh, or excuse me, that they're tied for one of the best records in the league at home. Right. Uh, they're 11, five and one. Um, Houston's not that bad. They're nine, three and four. Um, the, the three losses uh, is among the league leaders, three losses at home and the nine wins are up there too. So they've played very well at home. They're going to be a tough team at home and they know they have nothing to play for. They're trying to play. Um, they, if they lose, they have a chance of actually finishing last in the conference. They don't want to do that. So um, they're playing for pride, but they're also playing to end the galaxy's, uh, you know, uh, chance of playing at home in the playoffs. And that means a lot to some of those players in Houston. Well, well it's interesting because you go and listen to, to quotes from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I think even Jonathan Dos Santos, they, they say that, you know, the loss uh, against Vancouver reminds them of the loss against Houston last year, which, of course, knocked the Galaxy out of any chance of, of making the playoffs. It eliminated the Galaxy from trying to make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it's already on their mind. They already know going into this game that the LA Galaxy, um, they that they want to sort of avenge what happened last year. And this is a good, it's a good motivation for them. I'll say another motivation for them, Kevin, is also the fact that the Galaxy really have a, um, have, have a chance to, um, you know, put this game and, and make this uh, a, a really sort of important statement game heading into the playoffs, right? They have a chance to really make this game something that is more elevated than just simply playing for a playoff situation. It's a chance to really set a mindset and put that that momentum into the postseason because you have a whole full week off as well. And I think the Galaxy were tired against Vancouver. I know people are going to be like, you've been saying that all year. Yeah, I think most teams have been exhausted this year. Uh, whenever you watch them play. I don't think it's helped the quality of play that much, uh, to, to be honest with you. Um, but I think the LA Galaxy have a very good chance of going into Houston and getting some revenge um, you know, on this and on on Houston from last year. And and again, it's it's on their mind already. They already know that they're paying attention to this game, this Houston game, um, because now let's see, uh, if you look at, if you group Vancouver and you group Houston together, so if you take the Houston loss last year, Kevin, that knocked the Galaxy out of a possible playoff uh, position there and getting into the playoffs, and then if you go and look this year, uh, basically that's two fan appreciation nights. Two fan appreciation nights that the LA Galaxy have fallen flat on their face. Um, I don't think it's very fan appreciative uh, no. if, they, if they keep losing that way. Uh, here's something that no one's really talked about. If, if the Galaxy, again, Galaxy have their fate in their hands. If they win uh, in Minnesota and Seattle were to draw, the Galaxy would go to fifth in Supporter Shield. They, they can't catch uh, either of the top three teams in the East. Why is that important? Well, LAFC leads in Sporter Shield race. For the Galaxy to get to MLS Cup, by definition, they would have to beat LAFC, or LAFC would have to be eliminated from the playoffs for the Galaxy to survive and come out of the Western Conference. So th there's three Eastern Conference teams that will be ahead of them, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New York City. If none of those three, and I know that's a long shot, right. but there are seven teams from the East in the playoffs, so there's four teams that could knock them off. If those three teams are out of it, but the Galaxy, by leapfrogging over Minnesota United and Seattle um, and, and moving up in the standings, they do have a shot at hosting the MLS Cup. It's a long shot, right? but it's a shot. Yeah, it's it's not that far off. I, I think we also have to throw DC United possibly into that mix as well. If the Galaxy lose and DC United win, they could also be above uh, the LA Galaxy. Whenever you uh, whenever you look at that, the other the other thing about that is that um, if I told you, you know, just what do your eyes tell you, Kevin? You look at 20, 2018 last year. You look at the Galaxy losing sort of in that last game of the season to miss the playoffs and you say that, okay, that, that was that team. And you look at 2019 and the fact that they've already clinched a playoff spot. Um, 
it, it feels like, in my mind, if you look at this, it feels like the 2019 team is such a better team. Um, and and I, But if you look at what the points difference is currently right now, let's say the LA Galaxy lose to Houston. Nobody's wishing that, but let's, let's say that happens. The Galaxy finish on 51 points. The 2018 LA Galaxy finished on 48 points. Um, they're only three points better right now than that la- than last year's team. Yet, yet it feels like miles ahead, maybe. But it, it also still feels like a work in progress. It I does. I think Guillermo's still trying to teach things, still trying to bring people along. Here's here's my prediction. Galaxy play the MLS Cup final at home. They host Bruce Arena and the New England Revolution, <laughs> and Malia Emma sings the national anthem. It's, it's You're not crazy. You're not crazy. One, because who would who would count Bruce Arena out of uh, of a chance at an MLS Cup? Do you know he's only lost two games since he took over as coach there in May? He's only lost twice <sighs> in 18 games. That's they, amazing. Uh, there have been a lot of draws, but those are games where he got points. And, and when you – he took over a team when he uh, was named general manager. They were, I think, three, eight, and two. Uh, they were two, eight, and two when Brad Fiedel was was fired as coach. But when you come into a situation like that, I think most people think like, we got to win, we got to win every game, we got to climb up the standings, we got to race this goal differential. Bruce came in and said, you know what? A point a game. Just pick away at it. Just climb slowly. And he's in the playoffs now with a game to go. He's already clinched the playoff spot. And he's done that because in 18 games, he's only lost twice. He's got points in 16 of his 18 games. Not all wins, a lot of draws, but points in 16 of those 18 games. And they beat New York City, the second best team in the league. That was the a 2 nothing win that put them in the playoffs. So I think you're right. I mean, Bruce Arena, you look at it and say, well, he got New England in the playoffs. Congratulations. Good season. I don't think Bruce is looking at it that way. I would not be surprised if – I mean, it, it's a huge long shot and would stun people, but – I personally would not be surprised if New England makes it to the MLS Cup final. Yeah, my good friend Chris Tucker said, uh, death, taxes, and Bruce Arena in the playoffs. And uh, I happen to agree with that. Uh, New England right now uh, with a minus five goal differential. Bruce was able to to right the ship and get them in points. He just knew he wasn't going to be able to uh, fix that goal differential that they had. So they're there. Now, the the interesting thing, all Eastern Conference teams locked in. You don't know where they're going to be playing in terms of where their seating is. But right now, all seven teams in the Eastern Conference have been decided, and that's done and dusted. So Chicago, Montreal, Columbus, Orlando, and FC Cincinnati all eliminated from playoff contention. But you come over to the Western Conference, Kevin, and there are still two positions up for grabs. The, sixth, the wild, wild west. Yeah, it is, oh, man, it is crazy. And we again, we don't know where seeding is in terms of where everybody falls right now. Uh, LAFC's locked in where they're at. Everybody else, Minnesota United, Seattle Sounders, LA Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, are locked in for the playoffs, but not their seeding. And then you have four teams, Portland Timbers, FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes. And remember that really, really horrible, horrible, bad team, the Colorado Rapids? Yeah. Uh, they're also still in it on decision day uh, when all teams will kick off at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Every single game, every single team exactly at the same time. You, you on know why Sunday. they're still in it? The, San Jose's lost five in a row. And under Robin Frazier, the former Chivas USA coach in Galaxy, uh, he has a Galaxy background too. Right. Under Robin Frazier, um, Colorado's gone five and one since he took over in late August. Not not so bad. Not so bad for Colorado. So they're still in and Tim Howard has announced his retirement at the end of this season, and I know a lot of people he he had a shutout in his last game. A lot of people in Colorado want to make sure that that uh, retirement party is put on hold until at least the middle of October. That's you're asking for. I think they have to end up. They play uh, if I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but they play uh, against LAFC, and they have to make they up do. like a pl- They have to make up like a five goal differential in order for. No, I, I, if they win by two, uh huh, 
and uh, San Jose and Dallas lose, I believe that they could get in. Okay. Well, that's it's again, we're getting into complicated math, but Colorado, San Jose, FC Dallas, and Portland Timbers are the last, are the four teams. They're vying for two spots um, with, uh, with LAFC, Minnesota, Seattle, LA Galaxy, and Real Salt Lake already locked in for the postseason. Now, uh, if we go on and we look, if the playoffs started today, um, in the Western Conference, you'd had LAFC with that first round bye. Uh, then it would be the number two seed Minnesota versus the number seven seed FC Dallas. Minnesota would host that game. Uh, it would be number three seed Seattle versus number six seed Portland Timbers. A little Cascadia matchup with Seattle hosting that game. And it would be the LA Galaxy, the fourth seed, hosting the fifth seed Real Salt Lake. So a matchup of just a few weeks ago. Now, I say all that acting like any of that could still be a possibility. My guess is that all changes uh, on Sunday, and it's uh, uh, completely, again, Galaxy can go as high as second. Um, I think they can drop as far as, was it sixth? Fifth. Fifth. No, they can go, I believe it's only fifth. Okay. But, you you know, they call it decision day, and they all kick off at the same time because the, the goal is to have all these games matter. And, you know, other leagues do it, too. Most major leagues around the world do that. Everyone kicks off at the same time. So you can't look at the scoreboard and say, oh, um, you know, if we if we tie this game, then someone else advances. Um, everything's equal. I, MLS got it right this time. And, and it, with 14 teams advancing out of 24, 14 teams go to the playoffs, it's, it's kind of difficult to believe that it would have come down to this. But only one game, the Chicago-Orlando game of, of the 12 games that will be played on Sunday – only that game will not affect either playoff berths or or seeding. Every other That's game is going to be uh, determining either if someone makes the playoffs or where they play. And you have San Jose and Portland playing essentially for if if a team wins that game and there's not a draw, if there's a, a, a victory one way or the other, that team, I believe, would go on to the playoffs. And so it, it's right there in front of them. It's there, There's no scoreboard watching. There's no math to do. You win and you go in and you lose and you go home. I think if you're going to, first of all, there's not enough screens. You can't split the ESPN app and enough screens for me to be able to watch all these games at the same time. That's my only sort of criticism of having these all go. I need a place that can watch every single game. I need 11 TVs somewhere because um, this is this is all going to get a little crazy. But the, the fact is, if you're a Galaxy fan, you're going to be watching two games. You're going to be watching the LA Galaxy game. And really, you should be watching that Minnesota and Seattle game because uh, you really want those two teams to finish and draw. And you want the LA Galaxy to win in Houston and that means the Galaxy will get a second place finish and guarantee them uh, home field advantage all the way up to um, the Western Conference Finals so it's not uh, they would have the first two rounds for sure in the Western Conference Finals then depends on their opponent how it goes it only takes four games if you win four games Kevin you win MLS Cup that's it in the playoffs you only have to win four games I was looking at the Galaxy and sort of saying, okay, you know, I have this crazy theory. It's my roulette wheel theory, right? Which is that, you know, if you've ever gone and played roulette at Vegas, which is probably stupid because roulette has ridiculously bad odds, but it's fun to play anyway. Um, You can bet on red and black, right? And so you always know, you know, so if you go up and you look on the screen, it always tells you what numbers have hit recently because they're trying to use our brain's ability to, to look for patterns to sort of make you think you can predict what's happening. And so I'm always looking up there, I'm like, wow, you know, Reds hit a lot of times in a row. This is this is probably the time to bet on black. This is this is the time to bet on black. And you bet on black and it's another red. And you're like, 
instead of being like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and the probability is always the same every spin, you sit there and go, okay, but the next one for sure is going to be black now, Kevin, because now there's five reds in a row that you can't keep doing that forever. So I'm definitely, I'm going to bet on black and then it hits red again and now you're convinced. So anyway, this is my roulette reel, wheel theory is that um, whenever you look at a team that has a whole bunch of wins, in my mind, that always means a loss is closer to coming because it's really hard to keep winning. There's something's going to happen in between there. The fact that the Galaxy actually interrupted their winning streak might actually help them. Maybe it resets them because in my mind, you have to go now on a five-game win streak in order to win MLS Cup. You have to win the last game against Houston. You have to win all four of your games in the MLS and MLS Cup playoffs. And in my yeah, mind, remember that, single elimination this year. Yeah, yeah, single elimination. Calls. And in my mind, Kevin, it's easier to win five games in a row than it would have been to win nine games in a row, which is what the Galaxy would have done had they beat Vancouver and then made it all the way to MLS Cup final and won so that game. What, what's your take on the single elimination? Players I talk to really like it. Um, a lot of times they think that uh, getting to host the second game, which is the way it worked, right? Yeah. The, the higher-seeded team would get the second game. Sometimes they felt like that first game, which was an away game for the better team, really set the tone for the series. I, I actually like the two-leg format because I thought there was a – there. Uh, I thought there was a chance for if there was a bad referee's call, not that we've seen any of those recently, but <laughs> if there was a bad referee call or a bad VAR call uh, or, or an own goal, a mistake, that it gave the better team a chance to redeem itself in that second game, and, and it took away the chance of an error or a freak play deciding uh, the series, which it will do in a, in a one-game single right. el- elimination format. Players have told me sort of like the roulette uh, theory. I think that's a sound theory. If you get a second chance, you're probably going to get it right. Players have told me no, that actually they think that the single elimination format, that the best team will advance. And and some players have actually told me statistics that prove that, that the team with the better record in a, simulation, a single elimination format actually advances more times than than uh, they do in a double elimination uh, game or a two-leg series. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate it. Um, I know MLS, listen, my only criticism of MLS and the scheduling this year is that they cram so many games in that you can see the players are tired, uh, much more so than, than in, in previous years. And, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos talked about, yeah, you know, it's a 33rd game in the season. Uh, you know, guys are battered, they're bruised, you know, all that stuff is happening. You look at David Bingham picking up a small knock, you know, you look at Joe Corona being apparently, um, up to a point where they didn't want to risk him. So they wanted to limit his minutes that way he would be able to play, uh, you know, in the playoffs and also play against Houston. And and all these things are sort of, you know, building up. You see the little injury to, you know, Fabio Alvarez and, and how that sort of affected the LA galaxy as well. So, uh, (coughs) excuse me. So looking at all these things, um, you know, there's there's a reason to think that the scheduling in the regular season has been a little harsh, but that it probably makes a lot of sense in this uh, in this 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 uh, at the MLS Cup playoffs coming up. And looking at the schedule, it's going to be you know another sprint. Um, whenever you really look at it in terms of when the games are played, because you basically go the 19th or the 20th, and uh, there was supposed to be an even number of games distributed between the 19th and the 20th, and it looks like because there are so many NFL interactions that there aren't, uh, that that's not going to happen, which, by the way, I think fares really well for me, Kevin. I have to be on a plane on the 19th, and I can probably make it back for a late game, uh, like a 7 p.m. or a 6 p.m. or even maybe a 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff time, but uh, it would be it would be more difficult, and the fact that the Galaxy don't look like they're going to have if they host the game and they're not going to have any NFL issues. Uh, they might be able to host on the 20th, and I don't know that. I haven't even looked. Maybe the Chargers play on the 20th. I don't know. Um, but however that goes, uh, there's better possibility of me making it if the game is on the 20th uh, than it is on the 19th. So 
uh, looking at that, but you know, you play on the 19th or the 20th, you play on the 23rd or 24th, you play on the 29th or 30th, and then you have, you know, that week and a half break basically until MLS Cup. Um, I don't hate it. It certainly makes things interesting, and the tournament this year is really a tournament. Uh, you know, s- the seeds matter, the uh, the matchups matter, and I think it's going to be, uh, in terms of filling out your bracket, I think that's actually going to be fun. I think that they have increased the interest in what these playoffs could be. But I did like how the two legs really did work. Um, I, it was always fun to be, you know, a part of and, and to go to those games because you always knew that you had an, a home game coming. Um, so we'll see if MLS owners also feel that that also worked. By the way, the Chargers do play on the twentieth. Oh, come on! But but yes. they play the Titans on the road. Okay, so. good. Okay. Whew. Now the other thing is, I will say that I do not like the way that this playoff schedule. Uh, works out. What I don't like about it is you have decision day, then you have, I believe it's a 13 day break. It yeah. sounds like you're looking at the schedule. Yeah, 13 in- day break. International break. Right. Uh, I understand why there's a break, but you, you, all the excitement, decision day is going to be great. As we mentioned, 11 of the 12 games have some impact on the playoffs. It's going to be great. You have uh, Minnesota and Seattle uh, with the Galaxy included in that playing for perhaps being second in the conference and, and home field advantage up until the conference uh, final. You have uh, Portland and, and San Jose trying to get in along with um, Dallas. It's very exciting. And then all of a sudden, all that excitement is lost because now you have two weeks to, to wait uh, to wait for the next game. I, I know there's the international break, and that's why. But you have uh, the excitement that's built up with the supporters um, and maybe casual fans. You know, the players are used to playing, as we said, once or twice a week for 30 weeks now. And now all of a sudden, before the biggest game of the season, you give them two weeks off. Yes, it helps players refresh, injured players get healthy, but rhythm and then what happens and the, the 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 top teams in the conference they get even uh three or four more days off so they get two and a half weeks then all of a sudden you play two games in the span of a week correct yeah yeah it, it goes, uh, it goes and then you get another long long break it's just it, the the start and stop i think it hurts the momentum i think it hurts the rhythm and it definitely i think hurts the fan interest there was the, the schedule was really wacky like five or six years ago and i remember people just completely forgetting that the playoffs were still going on because the break was so long it's I don't know what the solution is. I'm not. I'm not the MLS schedule makers, um, but it just. I. I just don't like the way it kills momentum and and the way it takes the players out of their regular season rhythm. Yes, or, or as Eric would say, yeah, but still. Um, the, yeah, but still. Yeah, yeah, but still. Here's here's the here's the rub on that, and here's why. In this, I think it's smarter to do it this way because that international break used to come in the middle of the playoffs. Um, And when it came in the middle of the playoffs, it killed all momentum in the playoffs. So taking a break before the playoffs, which is, hey, decision day, everybody stop, relax, hyperventilate, all the players then get to train, everything goes. And then there's this buildup to that 19th and 20th of that weekend. Now you get to run all through the playoffs and MLS Cup without that break. Um, You know who has the idea, the solution to this? Yeah. I'm going to get a little political here. Donald Trump. Remember, he said nationalist first. Uh We're going to withdraw from these international groups. Let's withdraw from FIFA, and then the MLS calendar would not have to recognize the international breaks, and we could make America great again. Panda and Pato in the morning. There you go. I fi- I figured that was a that was a timely timely one to put in there. Uh, it's a, I'm gonna I'm gonna get emails. I can tell. Already. It's a theory. It's a theory. It's a, it's something that is for sure. All right. Uh, so that's where it is right now. Again, uh, we're gonna talk about it more on Thursday. We may even have all the scenarios for you worked out on Thursday. But we gave you a pretty good idea of what you're gonna expect from this game on Sunday. What the playoffs mean. What the playoffs will entail for the LA Galaxy. And why getting that home field advantage is a good thing for the LA Galaxy. And it's a good thing for everybody. Really, whenever you look at. 
at it. Um, and speaking of the Golden Boot, do you know Zlatan has already set an MLS record regardless? Even if he doesn't play in Houston, he has an MLS record. What? What's that? He is the only player to score more than 26 goals in a season and not win the Golden Boot. Now that's if he doesn't win it. And he said after the game that he doesn't even pay attention to the Golden Boot standings and doesn't know where he is. Mm -hmm. I believe he knows exactly where he is. He's trailing Carlos Vela by two goals. Carlos Vela has equaled the uh, single-season record of 31 goals with one game to play. Zlatan is two goals behind him. Um, Zlatan can easily get a hat trick. I don't say that because of Houston. I just mean... We know when he's motivated, he's unstoppable. Uh, I still think the Golden Boot is uh, is in the cards for Zlatan. Uh, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, if he doesn't score, the only other guy to score at least uh, 26 – well, he scored uh, – Stern John scored 26 goals in 27 games for Columbus in 1998. He lost the scoring race that year to Roy Lassiter, who set the then MLS record of 27 goals. Uh, Zlatan has 29 goals. Interesting, both Zlatan and Carlos Vela are averaging more than a goal a game. Yeah, it's 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 a nuts game. The uh, the MLS Golden Boot continues, and and it's seriously one of the greatest sort of side stories of all this. Um, whenever you look at it, and and you know, two players from the same market, and the thing, and and, and they're they could finish one two in the conference. Um, you know that's not a stretch by any means. Uh, you know, uh, but in any in any way, they've played well against each other. I believe they both have eight goals. Mm -hmm. in the five games of the El Trafico. So they play well against the other. They're both hot right now. They're on scoring streaks. and the, the But the best part is they're totally different players. I, I see Zalatan as sort of a muscular guy, a physical guy, likes to get in the box, scores a lot of his goals on hitters. Um, uh, Carlos Vela is more sort of a, a shifty guy, very tactical guy, not not big and strong. Um, you know, it, he scored some highlight real, real films just like Zlatan has. Both of them have a lot of goals on penalty kicks. Carlos Vela is 9 of 11 and Zlatan is 6 of 7. Yep. Um, uh, but they're different players, and that's what I like about them. If they're, if they're you know, if, if NBA uh, players that are, are just dunkers and they, they look slimmer to each other. I, I kind of like the LeBron against Steph Curry. You know, one one plays inside, one plays outside. That's what I see with these two guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Zlatan was Mr. Technical on uh, against Vancouver. He was he was pulling out the moves again. Uh, he so, can do that. I he, mean, it, it's not beyond so his. It's part of his game when he wants to use it. He is so good. Well, that's what you look at the five chances created that I told you about. I mean, the the bottom line is that guy can can create uh, whenever he needs to create. The, bot the, pro the problem with that has been that whenever he's created, nobody else has scored but with Pavone in there now that's a more realistic sort of look and uh, speaking of Christian Pavone named to the MLS team of the week I believe this is the second time he was named to the MLS team of the week and again he's only played what 10 games so far Kevin yeah uh, yeah 10 well, games before I get before we get away from that sorry to interrupt well actually I'm not sorry to interrupt I yeah. interrupt you all the time but before we get away from that everybody hounds Zlatan right he's the center of the of the offense that no one else gets the ball no one says that about Carlos Vela, or at least not many people, because he's got Diego Rossi, and then he had Diamando, Diamande, and and he's got other weapons up there. Brian Rodriguez now he had you know uh, Christian Ramirez. Guess who leads the MLS in shots? Carlos Vela. He has ten more than Zlatan. Well, of course. Guess guess who leads in shots on goal? Well, Carlos Vela. He has four more than Zlatan. So how comes Zlatan is criticized by me and others as being the, the center of that offense to the detriment of the, the team galaxy, sometimes? Yeah. 
Yet Carlos Vela has more shots and more shots on goal, and no one says anything about him. Oh, there's plenty of reasons. I don't think we have enough time left in this podcast to get through okay. all of them. But yeah, I mean, it's listen, it's all about, and and we've said this many times, and I think Sophie, whenever she's been on the podcast, has said it probably the best way. Um, but you know, Zlatan's everybody's favorite villain, um, and the Galaxy are, are are and have been, you know, everybody's favorite villain. So um, you know, it's much easier to say that the best player that has played in MLS over the last two seasons. Um, in, in Zlatan Ibrahimovic with the amount of goals he's scored and just what he's been able to do at his age. Um, you know, that he's he's a villain instead of just this amazing sort of guy. This is Nigel DeYoung all over again in, in a lot of ways for me, Kevin, because uh, Bruce Arena said it whenever they let Nigel, you know, go was, you know, that MLS wasn't ready for Nigel DeYoung um, and how smart a player he was and how he played. And really, it's, it's the same as Zlatan Ibrahimovic and people call him a thug um, and people call him all these names. And if you watch him and you talk to him and you cover him, um, you know, the way that we get to do because we covered the LA Galaxy on that regular basis, it's really hard to sort of make that all mesh up in my mind that, you know, he's, yeah, he's he's bombastic, he's loud, um, and he's also putting on a show 99% yeah. of the time. He plays a character, and by the way, the home-road split, again, why it's so important that the Galaxy play at home in the playoffs. Of Zalatan's 29 goals, 22 of them at home, seven on the road. When you look at Vela, he's actually got one more road goal. He's got 16 road goals 15 uh, home goals, and he's got one more home game left. So, by the way, I saw a quote in an English soccer magazine the other day where someone asked Zlatan to pick his best 11, and he said, easy. And he said, Zlatan in goal, the four defenders, Zlatan, 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 Zlatan. Yep. Uh, Zlatan in the midfield, yep. Zlatan at forward, and Zlatan at striker. Uh, that, big surprise. Big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> again, that's how it goes. All right, well, let's talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and some rumors now uh, coming, going possibly. I don't, this is just ridiculous, and I even hate talking about it, but I've gotten like three messages now. People are like, are you going to talk about this? And I'm like, I guess. I guess we'll talk about this. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Boca Juniors rumors. Uh, Zlatan apparently, quote, unquote, wants to play for Boca Juniors. Um, and the their director um, is Jorge Anro, and apparently Jorge is out here, and I've been told by our good friend John Rojas, who everybody knows. John Rojas told me apparently it's like an election year right now for the board of directors and for, for the director, um, and, and so I guess they vote them in or they can vote them out or, or however that ends up working at that club and how it works. But anyway, it's basically an election year, and so they're going to say whatever they need to say. Uh, they apparently said enough that uh, Mino Rayola, who is, of course, uh, Zlatan Ibrahim, Ibrahimovic's agent uh, had to tweet and said, I have never offered Ibrahimovic to Boca Juniors or to anybody else. Total hashtag fake news from Mino Raiola there. Um, so I think, and I was talking to some of the Swedish journalists that were covering the game last night, and we were talking about whether Zlatan would say or Zlatan would go, and we said, if he goes, we feel like he's going to go back to Europe. Um, and and whether or not that means going back to Italy or whether or not that means, you know, going to the EPL, I think is a stretch. Um, you know, there's always that Malmo uh, rumor that Zlatan wants to go back and play for Malmo um, before he retires. So it's one of those. If he doesn't stay, I feel like that's the direction he's going. I don't see him going to play in Argentina for Boca Juniors. I wouldn't put it outside of him. He, he seems to like the adventure, Kevin. But um, in this rumor, this is uh, the fat, you know, if, there's, if these are out of five stars, this one gets uh, a half a star. Yeah, I think there's something like 180 professional leagues around the world, uh, you know, top flight professional leagues, tier one professional leagues. So Latin's only dominated about six or eight of them so far. So there's a lot of 
territory for him to explore if he wants to. That Malmo rumor, by the way, has been around a long time. I actually remember I did a phone interview with Zlatan a long time ago. He's still at PSG, and he talked about that then. So that's been around a while. I, I kind of, If I had to pick one, that's kind of where I would lean, either that or Italy. The, the only reason the Boca Juniors rumor is even worth talking about uh, is the negotiations for Pavone stretched on for so long and seemed to get so complicated. I'm not saying I know anything that I, or that I even think it's possible, but there could have been some sort of talk about a short-term loan. Maybe he goes down there and does some, ex- I don't know, exhibitions. Maybe he goes and signs some autographs, does a clinic. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't... The only reason that's – if you were telling me it was, it was another Argentine team or team in Brazil, I, I would just miss it out of hand. But the fact that the Pavone thing took so long to do, um, there may be something there. Nah. I don't think there is. Don't, don't you I dare believe. tell – don't you tell these people this. Everybody will freak out. Everybody's going, Kevin Baxter, the LA Times said that Zlatan's going to Argentina. That's what he. That's what he just said. And, um, and that's why the the agent's tweet could be absolutely true. That I I didn't offer him. No, you didn't. But the team did. Yeah. So, yeah. but I I mean, we already know that Dennis and Zlatan. I was there when it happened. They had a long closed door meeting, lasted over forty five minutes, where uh, Dennis. Zlatan hadn't talked about the meeting yet, but Dennis said they talked about a lot of things that he enjoys catching up with all of his players that he and Zlatan visited. And he said he doesn't get a chance to visit with him often. Dennis said he loves talking to Zlatan. Uh, and he said what they decided was that they would talk about next season after this season's over with. So I think uh, we'll, I, we'll have to respect that and, and, and leave it there. They may not... Uh, they may not even know what they want to do next season. I mean, I, yeah. we'll see. I have to see how he finishes this season. If Zlatan wins MLS Cup, which again is possible, um, I don't know why he would want to come back, frankly, unless he just had such a great time that he wants to continue that. But, uh, you know, we do know that he loves to go out on top and winning an MLS Cup against all odds um, would certainly be one way to go out on top. Yeah, it, it would be. It would be an interesting way to sort of see it all uh, all go. Well, if you listen to uh, Dennis DeClosa on our 700 show, the one Kevin wasn't part of, but he wishes he was. Uh, the 700 That's show. That's show, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 700. Uh, Dennis DeClosa uh, talked. I asked him about that again. You know, it was it was the answer we expected. It's the same answer I've heard. It's really, they'll sit down afterwards and they'll decide. Um, you know, I think it's interesting if you're going to put, you know, another $7.2 million in a hat and give it to a 38-year-old. Um, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, you know, has scored 29 goals this season. Uh, he is the all-time uh, LA Galaxy uh, record-scoring goal leader person thing. However you want to say that, is <laughs> single season. He's the he's that leader. He will be uh, forever tied to the club because of breaking that record that had stood for you know 23 years until he broke it in the 24th year. Um, so having said all of that and, and looking at what the LA Galaxy have accomplished with him, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back um, at all. But like you said, if, you know, I, I'll say I, I've, I've had a special feeling about this team just in terms of what I think they're capable of. And I think they're more than capable of winning an MLS Cup this year. They have the talent. It's just they have to avoid for four games. Uh, and now really five games, they're going to have to avoid what just happened uh, against Vancouver. And so far, we've seen that this Galaxy team doesn't seem to be capable of doing that in longer stretches. So really well, interesting sort of to, to try and look at that as we, as we, uh, as we funnel down towards that, that Houston game. In addition to being president of the Dave Romney fan club and ex-president of the uh, Brian Rowe fan club, yes. I am also the vice president of the Zalatans Not Coming Back um, uh, society. Right. I felt that all along, and I felt that because I thought that he was too expensive. He didn't seem to really enjoy MLS the way he thought he would. You know, there was a lot of 
consternation in the middle of the season about the playoffs and the schedule and travel. He just he, he seemed to be taking issue with everything VAR. Um, and I really feel like like Guillermo really wants to transition into the team he wants. We talk about the defense and trying to learn that style. He wants to be that possession 4-4-3 team. Um, yeah, he didn't invent that style, but he's trying to perfect it here. Zlatan doesn't play that style. So I've always felt like all those things added up to this was going to be the end, and I knew he wanted to go back to Malmo. And um, But if you look at this team now, and this is going to have to be part of Dennis's, uh, uh, you know, thinking, where would this team be without Salatan? They yep. certainly wouldn't be where they are. They might be a bottom, uh, you know, trying to get into the playoffs. But they and they if they get to the playoffs, they wouldn't be a dangerous team. I I think if the Galaxy make it, they have to be at least co-favorites just because of Zlatan, because you never know when he's going to step up and take over a game. Uh, it, he does it much better at home. He does it more frequently at home. Certainly that home field advantage is going to be a big difference. But if you had a, one game that you had to win, uh, you know, life depended on it, and one player you could put on the field for that game, it wouldn't be Carlos Vela. It would be Zlatan. I, it would be in my mind. I mean, in, in Major League Soccer right now. You know. And I love Carlos Vela. This is not an anti attack me for being an LAFC fan all the time. I'm, like I'm a journalist, I cover both teams. And I, I think Carlos is a tremendous player, but as, and I've seen most of his goals this year, but I've never seen him dominate a game like Zlatan does. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. All right. Uh, the LA galaxy will travel to play the Houston dynamo this Sunday. Again, a 1 PM Pacific time kickoff. Uh, this is decision day. All the games kick off at 1 PM Pacific time. So I imagine 107, 108, all games will kick off simultaneously, or at least they're supposed to. Uh, yeah, I've heard 108. Yeah. That, that's probably correct. Um, so what you're looking at, Game will be on Spectrum Sportsnet, so that's where you're going to want to watch it. And again, all these games go. We've sort of given you the outline of what the LA Galaxy need. And on Thursday, we will do a wonderful job, I'm sure, of getting you ready for the game on Sunday against Houston and the conclusion of the 2019 season with the LA Galaxy, obviously, in the playoffs. So we'll find out where that all goes uh, for next Monday's show, uh, and we can give you exactly where the Galaxy landed and now who the Galaxy will play, and we'll have that, that week-and-a-half break inside of the FIFA uh, window there to, to go ahead and do that. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else, Kevin? Are you are you good? Happy yeah. 700th. You're, there's, you, I'm sure the people just crashed their cars somewhere. I'm sure I'm sure that is. Yeah, but thank you. Yeah, there was a car coming up behind them and yeah, Exactly. That's what it was. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, go ahead on over to at kbaxter11. Of course, latimes.com, where you can find Mr. Kevin Baxter's articles on all of the LA Galaxy, LAFC, U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team. All of that can be found right there, latimes.com. And I had an article. I wrote a recap for the LA Galaxy and their loss against Vancouver in the LA Times. So if you could check that out and give me some clicks as well, I would appreciate it. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find all of our merchandise, all of our great stickers, our coasters, our scarves, all that stuff right there for you. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on that shop button. Uh, you can get all of our podcasts and recaps and written articles. And Larry Morgan not on Twitter doing an excellent job, as always. One of the best writers covering the LA Galaxy, hands down. So make sure you check out cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of Larry's stuff. All right. For Mr. Kevin Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. 
And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.